Hello, everyone. Today, I am interviewing a very funny comedian, Jeremy Nunez. Uh, you can see his comedy special on Amazon Prime. Uh, he also has a uh, dry bar comedy special on YouTube. Uh, and it's only been out two months. He's already got over 136,000 views. So he's funny, as those numbers would make you think. Uh, he's a clean comedian, so my mother can also enjoy his comedy. Although, I think I've come to realize that comedy is not really, you know, stand-up comedy is probably not her, her favorite thing. I think I'm her favorite thing. No, that's a, that's a lie. My children and, uh, my siblings' children's children, oh boy, are, are definitely her favorite thing. So... Anyways, this is a good uh, episode, I think. I had a very, very fun time, at the very least. Uh, talked a lot of uh, kind of inside comedy, I would say. Like, we uh, touched on a lot of how things work, and uh, he had some good stories. So, I had, a, I had a great time. I learned some things. And then we talk about how he became mayor of his hometown, and he has a book coming out. Uh, I'll link in the show notes. I am pre-ordering it as soon as I hit stop on this recorder because I think I will absolutely love it. I also love how this podcast has made me start reading books again. I mean, who thought a podcast would actually help you uh, become a better person or more well-rounded person? Or maybe I'm the same person and I just read more books. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> Anyways, like, subscribe. Wait, this isn't uh, this isn't YouTube. It's not like, subscribe, and comment. But uh, <laughs> follow me on Twitter. Like the Facebook page, uh, and and whatever else. Oh, subscribe. Oh, and if you have an iPhone, give me a damn five star review. I know a lot of you who listen who have iPhones, and I don't have as many reviews as people who have commented on my episodes. So. Go there. If you need help, I'll uh, maybe I'll put a tutorial up on uh, YouTube on how to give me a <laughs> a five star review. Um, and uh, oh yeah, let me know also what you thought if you listened to the last episode with me and Mark Rodriguez. As I'm recording this, it hasn't come out yet, um, but that was my first in person interview uh, that I've done and. He wasn't here to pitch anything or, uh, you know, sell anything. He was just my friend. We were going to catch up, and I said, hey, why don't we record it on a podcast? <laughs> so uh, I'll be full disclosure. I'm not going to spend the time to listen to that thing since I was in the conversation. So hopefully nothing too crazy was said. Uh, probably not an episode for Mother, but I guess... If she listens to these sequentially, she won't get the warning, so note to self, maybe tell her to skip certain parts of that one. <laughs> but uh, I had fun, obviously, uh, and I wouldn't say I had a hangover, but uh, uh, I was, uh, I was uh, very tired this morning, but uh, great to catch up with a friend. Uh, you know, you can just have someone come over to the house and share a few drinks and chat, and uh, I think our most scintillating conversation was probably when the recorder was not on, uh, but that's probably a good thing. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let me know what you think of that, because 
I've got a lot of interesting friends, and I don't think uh, many of them would shy away from from being a guest, potentially. Uh, So, we'll see. But I'm interested to see what people think about that. Uh, And I'm also curious, The I guess I'll listen to a little of it, because I want to see how the audio was, because I am a technological idiot. Oh, good thing I mentioned that. I forgot to... Uh, put my phone in Do Not Disturb, so there's a short uh, bit of, uh, I think, probably less than 15 seconds, because it was just one phone call came in and knocked out my recorder, um, because I am intentionally ignorant when it comes to technology. I don't really care to learn it. I just want to be functional. I don't need to be great at it, uh, but... There are still things to learn. Although setting do not disturb on my phone, that was just an oversight. That was just a, a bad mistake, an error in in uh, <laughs> in the brain. I'll blame Mark for hanging out late last night. I'll blame him if, uh, if he hadn't clouded my judgment with all of that alcohol. <laughs> because everyone knows, w- without other people forcing me, I don't drink or anything. I'm sober Sally. All right, anyways... Hope you enjoy it. I'll hit you with the outro. And here is Jeremy Nunes and me. All right. Is I am... audio working okay for you? Yep, everything's good. Uh, Jeremy Nunez joins me here. How are you, Jeremy? Okay. And uh, I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. It's a uh, long, long Tuesday for me, but... <laughs> The, uh, I I, uh, I I'm a, a divorced uh, dad, so I've got the kids half the time, and I never have a Monday and Tuesday. So those are the days where I do a lot of talking to other people on the computer. <laughs> uh, this, this is the decompressed chance, yeah. So whenever I'm uh, talking to the media, the podcast, radio, whatever, that's uh, just like you. That is the moment I get to lock myself in a room, and my wife has to deal with the kids. So this is a great escape for me too. Well, I, I learned, I actually booked something, it was an Australian podcast, so they're on a different time zone, and they only recorded Thursday night, so I had my kids, and I learned, it's it was after their bedtime, but they weren't sleeping, I learned a good trick, they will stay quiet, the only time they've ever been quiet in their rooms at bedtime is when I said, if you make noise, you will be in trouble, because I will look like an idiot, Stayed silent the whole time. <laughs> they just read books and overheard me talking, which is probably not the best. But <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I usually have to do the. Uh, uh, I, I try to do anything I can while they're at school. So um, similar to the, uh, I, I did like uh, some national news organization in Australia. And same thing. I had to because of the time difference, I want to say it was like maybe 4 p.m. when I interviewed and it was 8 in the morning there or something to that effect. And uh, sure enough, here comes my, my boy making faces on the other side of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I, the, the Australia interviews are fun because uh, it's 8 o'clock here and I'm, I'm drinking this. They're, they're in the mindset of, what are you doing? What is wrong with this person? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's normal in my time. I mean, right now it's four forty, so it's a little early for a normal person. But <laughs> maybe that's why I like yeah, comedy so much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. I was like, I was getting after. It. I was like, get out of here! We'll spank you. 
and the host was like, everything all right over there? And I was like, oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, don't worry, if, if, if the kids, uh, how many, do you have just one kid? Two. Two. So if they start acting up, trust me, I, I understand. <laughs> I, I know how that goes. <laughs> I, uh, I want to compliment you on, um, so I sent, um, when we had talked and you were going to come on, I, I sent uh, the, a YouTube link to your dry bar comedy to one of my friends during the day. Yeah. Um, and by the way, that's I wrote down. It's only been up there for two months, and it's got over one hundred thirty-six thousand views, which is impressive. <laughs> but I sent it to him. It's like thirty minutes, I think. And my buddy, this is the yeah. middle of the workday. He's like, "Damn it, I was going to just watch a minute of it, and it was so funny. I got stuck and wasted a whole half hour." <laughs> so compliments to you on that. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, you know, we sometimes have to to remember to look at. Uh you know, trying to look at the bright side of things. So you're saying how great it is that it's broke uh, 120, I don't remember, 100-some-thousand uh, views. And me, I'm looking at it like, man, there's other guys that got 500,000, this guy's <laughs> got a million, and here I am with lowly 125,000 views. Oh, it's it's still creeping up. It's still creeping up. You'll get... <laughs> but uh, that seemed to be... Now, that was... I don't know how the inner workings work, because I'm never going to do a special or anything like that i'm i'm certain but uh i know you had the amazon prime special special now was the dry bar comedy was that a lot of this was that the, the same material or what was uh how did that all work well it's kind of interesting so i've been in talks to get the amazon special done for quite a while uh in the meantime um also in talks with dry bar to do a special for them so Dry bar uh, comes the agreement. Uh, no, let me take that back. The Amazon special, we agreed with that first, and it was going to be like September 19th, something like that, is when they chose to record. Now, um, cut to, so we, we figured that out in maybe like March or April. We set the date. Then, in like August, Dry bar reaches out and says, hey, we'll have you record September 3rd debut episode of our season 5 and I was like that's awesome but now all these comedians are like why did you record an Amazon special two weeks after a dry bar special I'm like because I didn't have a choice you know when people finally give you the opportunity you take it you don't say well uh, that doesn't fit my terms exactly right um, <laughs> so uh, the dry bar special is about 24 minutes I want to say and the Amazon special is about an hour on the nose. So, yes, yes the material on Drybar is all in Amazon. So there's more to see, I guess, if you go Drybar first. If you've seen Amazon first, then you've seen everything there is to see in the Drybar special. Gotcha. So, so go watch the YouTube one first, and then go watch the Amazon one to get the full appreciation of it. <laughs> uh, sure. And then, uh, you know, you can just don't bootleg it. There you go, people bootlegging my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, get 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 credits for those. Uh, get credit for the views. Does Amazon give you? I'm I'm just curious, and, and I would guess almost no. But does Amazon give you like a hey? Here's how here's how it's doing on on Prime or? Uh, they I do, but I only get them every six months. I want to say I get the reports. So since it released, I've yet to see a report. So, <laughs> oh. uh. 
I mean, it feels like it's being well received. It's maintaining a five star review despite you know the uh, the internet trolls out there. Um, so solid five star review. I think it's doing all right, but I have no idea how many actual downloads. I want to say there's twenty two or twenty three reviews at the moment. I just I just made a note here to write a review because I did I did watch it and I thought it was excellent. Um, oh, thank you. And I I think uh, I've said this before. And just to give you a little backstory so you're not totally in the dark. So I'm, I just turned 34 and I decided I had like a midlife crisis a year ago and I got into comedy more to write like screenplay type things. And a comedian said, you know, if you're going to do try to do that, because I was asking advice. I'm like, it's it's dark comedy, but I'm still not quite hitting the funny notes. It's almost like a just depressing, serious movie. Uh, he's like, go, you got to do stand up and start, start a podcast. He's like, you will gain, you'll learn your voice. You'll also learn where to find the funny. But so <laughs> tying that all up, I find people who can do clean material to be so much sm- smarter or they work harder one or the other than people who, who do dirty comedy. So I wanted to compliment you on that too, because you were able to keep everything Nobody would watch that and say that was clean comedy. They would just watch it and say it was comedy and realize, hey, he didn't say any bad words or make dick jokes or anything. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, to add on to what your the advice you received there, I was about to say the same thing. The best thing to do first is at least kind of dip your toes in the water of, of performing so you at least kind of have a general idea of, of where things are going to go. Um, yeah, and as far as the clean stuff... Um, I'm with you, man. It's just, uh, it's so much easier to just throw a, throw an F-bomb in there every once in a while to, to get the laugh. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lot tougher to have to do, like you said, the, the smarter comedy. And, uh, I always tell people, uh, the promoters, they're like, well, we're going to promote you as a clean act. And I always say, don't. Yeah. Because for some reason it doesn't draw. It's so much better if we can just say, hey, here's a comedian. And then at the end of the night, they say, that guy was great. Hey, did you notice? I don't think he swore once. You know, so it, it's much better to leave the leave them in the dark. Uh, yeah, I like it when they're uh, you know good, good, drunk and tipsy, and then they have no idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the best audience. <laughs> right. The uh, I I did an open mic last week, and uh, which open mics are are awful gauges because most of the audience, at least down here, are comics who try to be good but they're in their own heads thinking about their act they're not really worried about you so i had i did have a friend there who recorded it and i watched it back i'm like i was the only one who did a clean set but i said shit at one point that was not planned i don't know why i said it i'm like oh i ruined the whole thing <laughs> um i've had uh one time ever many many years ago this has been like 2005 it's the one time I've ever dropped an F-bomb on the stage. And uh, I just absolutely lost my temper. There was So as you get to kind of uh, working your way through the comedy ranks, the absolute worst audience to have is the drunk bachelorette party. Oh. The worst. <laughs> and uh, I was performing at this casino, and so they're not really watching the room who's making noise and who's not. They're just, you know, they're making their money or whatever. So... Uh, this, they just kept going and going and going, and I'd make fun of them, and then they'd stop for a bit, and I'd make fun of them, and they'd stop for a bit. And eventually I was just like, shut the F up! <laughs> and then everybody in the audience just gets big eyes. 
Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't a corporate event. They're like, yeah, this that comedian dude just lost it. And uh, and then after I did it, I was, you know, it's kind of after you like flip out at your kids, like, and you're like, oh, I went a little too far with mm-hmm. that. You just feel it. And then you're like, what do I do now? <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> so, so what got, um, what, what made you decide to, uh, bypass the NBA and go into comedy. <laughs> um, so if people don't know, I'm 6'6", six, six, and everybody wants me to play basketball. Yeah, um, they, they'll have to watch your special to get the full effect of, to yeah. see how smart that comment was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I grew up in a small town in the middle of Illinois, and as it's the small town tradition, everyone... Uh, expects you to sort of follow in the footsteps of, of your father and your grandfather mm. before him and that sort of thing. And so, uh, really, my family owns the small town trailer park. And so, uh, my dad really wanted me to take over the family trailer park business, but the comedy bug bit me. And so, even though he's disappointed, I was like, Dad, I can make just as much money, tens of dollars, <laughs> doing what I want. <laughs> That's, uh, and you were in, uh, uh, was it Second City? Yeah, so I started out in uh, Second City in Chicago. So when I left my hometown, moved to Chicago to kind of break into the comedy world up there. Um, I've had some internet trolls tell me that uh, to call yourself a Second City alum means you just paid money for the title and you never had to audition or anything. Anybody that pays gets it. And that's actually not accurate. I auditioned, I think, five separate times to continue moving up through the levels and eventually make your way uh, onto their stage. And, um, you know, you see a lot of uh, a lot of people that are now famous kind of cutting their teeth and simultaneously a lot of people who uh, are better off plumbers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they found their way out of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, or they, they decided they were not the people who should be up on the stage at the very least. Right, right. That's you know what's funny is uh, I don't think people understand how hard it is to to do comedy. But since I started trying to do it as far as stand up, it's one thing I find in watching other people's specials is I love to be like that really happened or that whole story was bullshit. I like and I liked yours because it seemed like almost everything was pretty much real. It didn't seem like there was a lot of fake stories in there from what I could tell you know um yeah so yeah uh as you mentioned there most of the time you're kind of exaggerating stories that happen mm-hmm. um that I will admit there's one that's 100% made up entirely but everything else is is largely true or you know or an exaggeration of truth so uh, if you wanted to guess, I'll tell you, if, if you wanted to guess which of those stories was was made up entirely. I would guess the escape room. Oh, no, I lived that one, man. Oh, you did? <laughs> oh, God. I thought there's no way. They, that's, that was the only one I'm like, that sounds too miserable. I don't know. <laughs> I've never done an escape room. I'm like, I thought those would be fun. He doesn't seem to like it. <laughs> What's funny is the... Um, I've posted the clip of that on my, my Facebook feed a few times, 
And the people who were at the escape room with me that day are all commenting below. Oh, no, he's talking about me. Uh, yeah, so that one is true. Um, <laughs> the one that's made up is the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals Cup, where uh, I talk about Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'll give you a little breaking news. Uh, and how that was birthed was I was talking to another guy about how, um, you know, the women just hang on to everything and they force us to throw out everything to make room for their stuff. And then it just kind of grew, grew from there. It's like, well, what, what would be the worst thing that they held on to that I couldn't get, get them to get rid of? And, and that's so kind of escalated. Yeah. Well, that's so funny because it's such an odd item that you'd think there's no way he made that. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's why I wouldn't have guessed that probably that would have been way down on the list of guesses, but that makes it great. Again, it seems real. And, and you know, what's funny. I know you're a baseball fan. So, Every once in a while, if I'm performing in the St. Louis area, because I say my wife's grandpa played mm. for St. Louis Cardinals, they'll say, "What was what was your wife's grandpa's name? Do you remember?" And I'll be like, uh, "I don't know exactly. I uh, played in the fifties. It's Stan uh, Musical, Musical, <laughs> something like that." <laughs> and they'll be like, "Your your grandfather lost Stan Musical." <laughs> I'm like, I, "I guess I don't know who he is." <laughs> I do. I do something even more more far out, like. Uh, uh, Bob Gibson, like, N- what? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, too, yeah. Well, I guess if your wife's not there, they could just assume that she's not white, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. And what we say uh, say about Stan Musial, little side note, if your nickname is The Man and nobody argues, then you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, we, you'd mentioned before you're a Cubs fan, and I... Uh, I, I was so mad when the Rays lost Joe Madden to the Cubs. And I also, it was, but I became a Cubs fan while he was there. He and Ben Zobrist are both, both guys I knew when I worked. Just so I always tell people, Joe Madden, when I turned 21, I, I was pretty much the oldest of my friends. And when I turned 21, Joe Madden was the first person to take me out and buy me a beer. Uh, wow. Now, it's kind of... That's kind of pushing comedic limits because he was actually the second one. <laughs> and he wasn't doing it because it was my birthday. We just happened to go out. and, and But I tell people. <laughs> so I, oh. I, I've learned comedic embellishment and how to punch things up a little bit to make it sound better. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. Um, you know, and actually, so another one, kind of the embellished story. So when I talk about uh, being in the green room with Kate Upton, mm. uh, well, she was there. <laughs> But she stepped out. I was actually alone with Alexandra Daddario, uh, and I, the story is legit. Except I switched the names because no one seemed to know who she was. I would tell the story legit as it was. Nobody seemed to know who I was talking about. And then I was like, "Well, if I switch it to Kate Upton, it'll probably be funnier. More people yeah. know who she is, and I can reference that. You know, she's a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, married to a famous baseball player, and my wife thinks she's going to have an affair with me." <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, well, that tells you your wife thinks very highly of you, I, I guess, right? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> or very lowly of Kate Upton, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably more accurate. <laughs> that's, well, that was one of the things I wrote down, and, and there's nothing, ne- like, I, uh, most of the things, it's like, why did I write this down? I just wrote down Kate Upton, I'm like, I don't know why I wrote that down, I just think I liked hearing her name, and I just... <laughs> <laughs> You know, and that's another thing as a comic too. You come up with ideas and jot down. Uh, I said one the other day. What did I write down? 
Oh, speaking of that, I wrote down Verlander, who's Kate Upton's real-life husband. I wrote down Verlander in my notebook. To this day, I have no idea why I wrote that down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I hate it. And I, I as, as my listeners know, I'm a, a bit of a drinker. So it gets even worse when when it's bad handwriting and it's like I don't I don't even remotely under this might be gold but I'm never going to decipher what it actually says. <laughs> yeah, I'm all, I'm consistently critiqued by my wife actually for my handwriting ability and I'm like I wrote as crystal clear as I could be and she's like what did, what did you write there Pabst blue ribbon and I'm like no Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> you know what I've, I've found, but I'm when I'm drunk, I'm not smart enough to remember. Do the voice memo on your phone. Because even uh, if you're hammered out of your mind, it's actually fun the next day to listen to your drunk self explain this great idea. And it's like, that is horrible. But... At least I, at least I didn't scribble something down and think I just lost the funniest thing I ever wrote and I can't read it. <laughs> uh, and you know what? Actually, as you kind of start out in comedy, you'll have you'll have stuff now that you think is brilliant that uh, ten years from now you'll look back at and go, "That was so stupid." Uh, you know, I and they'll tell everyone will tell you save all your notes because you never know you flip back through there and find some stuff. And I actually just did, but I was also looking back and seeing stuff. I'm like. I can't believe that was my closing joke. I wouldn't even put that in my show, period, now. You know, uh, I had a buddy, uh, when I was living in Chicago, I called him, he was back home in, in Springfield, Illinois, and I'd call him and be like, hey, hey, I got this joke idea, what do you think of this? He'd be like, dude, that is so stupid. And I'm <laughs> like, man, this guy is so unsupportive of what I do. <laughs> and then looking back, I'm like, oh, he was, he was like, he was being honest. honest. Yeah. That's, so I had... My last set, I, I go up, and it's the first time, and I did not invite them. They invited themselves, but I had three family members and my three best friends show up. So six out of the nine non-comics are my close family and friends. Yeah. And I cut this joke down. It's like a 15-minute bit. It should be. I cut it down to five minutes, and I got a slam-dunk laugh in the beginning. Or I thought I had a slam <laughs> I say... Uh, it was a segue, so, but I thought, this is really good. I said, so, I'm lazy. Uh, I, I won't act it out, So, but you can, I'm sure, imagine. But I said, I'm lazy. The other day, I had a dish full of sinks, and I had no clean forks. So I pulled out my phone, went on Amazon, and ordered same-day delivery for a dozen stainless steel forks. That is also true. But uh, I did it the next day delivery. But that that is actually true. I am that lazy that I That's ordered funny. for. But I said that, and I stopped, and just I'm like, oh shit, nobody's laughing. Not even my friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've I've showed the the tape to like a few people, and they're like, I don't know why no one laughed. You should try it again. I'm like, I don't know if you're just telling me that as good advice, or you're just trying to make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I had a guy tell me, he, uh, the guy that's my mentor, he told me he'll try something five times before he gives up on it. For me, it's eh, it's probably more like three for me maybe. But, yeah, I would never give up just after one. Right, and that's, you know what's, so I was, I, was, I was thinking this was the first time I bombed, and then I watched the tape, and I told a long story with exposition, which is not great for a five-minute set, but it's working stuff out. And, uh... I'm like, actually, I tried to make seven jokes, and I got laughs at four of them. The fork one didn't land, 
And two other ones I butchered. They were they didn't come out as jokes, but I didn't realize that when I was up there. So I'm like, I did, I did pretty well actually. In hindsight, I just need to remember how to say the jokes right. Right. But no, I, I would I would have been in in uh, depressed and hiding under the bed or something if I didn't have a friend there to record it actually because I've just I got off that stage and I'm well I you probably know the feeling because it happens to everyone I just felt like dying. <laughs> Yeah, one of the, the worst experience I can recall, um, I got hired to perform. Um, so when you first start out, eventually, you know, the booking agencies will give you a shot. They're going to give you something that's, you know, a 10-hour drive away for $100. Nobody else wanted to do it. And um, I get this last-minute call to go to South Dakota. And uh, it's in this, the basement of, like, a Holiday Inn. So it's a basement bar, this Holiday Inn. And... Uh, kind of like checking out the posters it's like this, this hypnotist is going to be there and I'm like awesome I have never seen a hypnotist live before this would be really cool and the, the bar owner's like well actually the hypnotist canceled last minute you're the show and I was like oh uh, does the audience know and he's like well we're going to tell them uh, so he proceeds to tell me they keep running their radio ads and everything else oh because my they're God. like well we paid for them so uh and all these people are coming in. They're so pumped up. They're going to see this hypnotist. Uh, and then the bar owner goes up to open the show. And he's like, I know you guys are all here to see the hypnotist. And everybody's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, he canceled last minute. <laughs> Here's this guy. <laughs> yeah, you can just feel the air come out of the room. And uh, then he goes, but uh, we found a comedian last minute. Don't know how good he is. Here's Jeremy Nunes. <laughs> That was the show. And then what made it even worse is it's jam-packed, okay? And uh, it's in the basement, which is about, has about a six-foot-six ceiling, which is exactly how tall I am. And the stage is like six inches elevated. So I have to, like, perform kind of sort of like a vulture with (laughs) like a 90-degree angle with my neck. And... uh, I would have just got off the stage and talked from the floor, but it was packed full of people. They had tables all the way up to the stage. Uh, so, man, I took my licks that night, but uh, still got my $100. <laughs> yeah, that's all that matters in the end, right? <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a paid gig. <laughs> the um... Oh, yeah. And you know what's, what I learned, and uh, my tip to you and, and uh, any newer comics, is sometimes, even if the show, you didn't think it was that great, and you were like, yeah, it was okay. If you make friends with the bar owner or the manager, whoever's job it was to hire you and give the feedback, um, that goes a long way. Because the, uh, the booking agency called me the next day, and they're like, hey, man, they loved you. I thought it was going to go terrible, but they loved you. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, yeah, it was, it was uh, one of the best shows I've ever had. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I killed <laughs> Well, that's that's what was easier when I didn't have friends and family come in to see me uh, perform. I could just be like, oh, yeah, I'm killing it out there. <laughs> but someone pointed out, a comic pointed out, they're like, yeah, but you brought two-thirds of the audience, so you could have been the worst, and you're the you're the club owner's favorite person tonight, so. Yeah. And you know what? That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the worst if you ever do comedy contests. You want one that there's actual judges and it's not done by audience reaction because if it's audience reaction, just whoever has the most friends there that night is going to be the winner. So, uh, 
one more thing to be on the lookout for. That, and that's interesting, too, because uh, even my example from last week, I did, you know, in five minutes I attempted seven jokes. A lot of the other guys made 60 jokes. They got, you know, a much lower percentage of laughs, but they got a lot more laughs route. Mentally, now I'm up there thinking other people were laughing. <laughs> but from a judge perspective, I think you'd uh, you'd have to be smarter to just go, you know, not just a guy who got the laughs when he talked about his dick. You know, let's 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 look at the whole. There was there was one comic who went up there, and I I made a comment afterwards. He he his joke was he had a big dick, and I'm like, nobody that nobody is ever gonna laugh at that joke in a million years. It's not it's not funny if you're bragging. <laughs> like comedians need to just make fun of themselves, other people. It's it's all kind of a negative thing to an extent. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> So uh, that makes me think of a funny story. I had uh, <clears throat> um, I, I got an offer to do this um, this comedy club. Had an agreement with uh, a prominent cable organization. They would film you do like a five minute set, and then the five minute set would then be online available for streaming. Mm. And um, I guess it's about two thousand seven or so. And there's no MC. They just one guy would be done, and then an announcer from the he'd leave the stage. Announcer in the back go. That was Joe. Here is Dave, or whatever, right? So, uh, <laughs> and there was no planning in order of, oh, well, we probably should put the clean guy before the dirty guy, and you know, we shouldn't have two guitar guys back to back. All that stuff. They didn't think about any of that. They just threw people out there. And so <laughs> this guy goes up before me and was like the raunchiest comedian you could ever encounter. And my first thought was. I don't know what, what this guy thinks is going to be on TV, first of all. <laughs> but uh, he's, he ends, he goes, thanks a lot, everybody. Fuck it. And then just like slams the microphone and like walks off triumphantly. And, and then, so they're like, okay, uh, that was Dave. Please welcome Jeremy Dennis. <laughs> so then I have to walk up the stage. And the beginning of this special clip is me walking onto the stage reaching down, picking up the mic, putting it back in the stand, <laughs> and then going from there. Oh, that, you know what? That actually makes you appreciate, and I'm sure you've done it, but it makes you appreciate how difficult it must be to be an MC, where you, you almost have to take the last comic's energy and transfer, however, to the next... So if the next comedian's calm, the MC needs to start high and go calm if... If the comedian just finished was very low, you know, low energy, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but they were low energy, the MC starts there and hypes up the next guy. I, ne I never thought about how difficult an MC must have it in those situations. And you know, it's interesting, the MC um, has a very important job on the show, like you say, um, and in the U.S., the MC is typically the least experienced comedian on the show, mm -hmm. even though it's their job to, as you say, put the be the glue and hold everything together uh what's interesting i don't know if you know but like canada and the uk the mc is the the most experienced the best comedian on the show is typically the mc it kind of reverses order then the least experienced guy is the last guy on the show i i only know that because i and i can't remember what special it was it was one on amazon prime where the comedian the the clear headliner was the mc and and he had and i'm like why in the world? I think it was Doug Stanhope. I'm like, why in the world would he agree to be an MC for these people who 
are I, I've heard of them, but <laughs> I mean they're not on his level. And uh, I so I looked it up. It was a Canadian uh, festival, I think, or something. And that's yeah. So that's makes sense. The MC is a lot more important, I think, than maybe <laughs> maybe the clubs realize. Yeah, and to, and to answer your question, why would he agree to do that? Well, as comedians, we'll agree to do anything if the money's right. <laughs> right. No, you know what's funny is that's the one thing with, and I'm sure I'll encounter it, and I'm sure you have, uh, but kind of diving into the comedy community, it is shocking to me how friendly and helpful everyone is as far as actual comedians, I haven't dealt with business people. I think that's probably, oh, well, I'm certain that's a whole different game. But I mentioned Doug Stanhope. I sent him an email back a year ago asking for advice, and, and he replied to me in 30 minutes. Um, wow. It's just like, what? why would he bother doing that? I don't know why I even thought to send him an email. I think I was just in a weird mental place. I'm like, I need someone to help me. Let's let's send my favorite comedian an email, and he replied in thirty minutes with a really thoughtful response. Actually, like it was, but that's that's kind of the level of uh, uh, I don't know. Everyone seems happy to help, and maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> yeah, uh, and good good for him. Um, so I I always tell people too. I'm I'm willing to help as long as people ask. I don't like to go up to people and be like, hey, I noticed something you need to fix. Um, mm -hmm. But if somebody comes to me and says, I feel like something needs fixed and I can't figure out what it is, then yeah, I'm absolutely happy to help people. Um, and then what I always tell people, though, is uh, just be aware of who's advising you. Just bumped up to fifty percent, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, oddly enough that came up with me last night. I don't know why. I don't know. That just reminds me. Someone was like, you know, if they're looking for with your hair, and it's kind of hat hair now, but it's very curly. He's like, you sh you should you should try to like book Jewish shows or something, and just don't just don't just don't tell them your real last name. <laughs> Because cause we know there's such a lack of uh, Jewish comedians, obviously. We... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? A lot of times, uh, the Jewish community, uh, from what I gather, they don't mind. Um, mm. You know, as long as you're respectful to what they're doing, they don't mind. Yeah, and and that's I guess that's kind of the whole beauty of comedy in general is it's a whole business just based around laughing. I mean, that's. Yeah, I, I guess it would tend to be more, uh, uh, and I don't want to say not competitive, but it would tend to be more happy 
than uh, something where it is more competitive and, and sure yeah um, you consistently you know to kind of go back to it's it's a competitive business but a lot of times you know you know the same guys I mean I'm really good friends with you know like Michael Palisak he, uh, we came up together in Chicago and, and heck he was a finalist on last comic standing and um, you know he's on the tonight show all the time I, I've never thought to myself Ugh, that's too bad Michael got that and not me. You know what I mean? I, I don't really encounter that. I'm really good for Michael, man. He's a good guy, you know. Um, and similar, uh, my when I very, very first started, I was in uh, Carbondale, Illinois, Southern Illinois University, and, and uh, me and Hannibal Burris always opened the shows. Was, he and I traded spots all the time. And likewise for him, I never have thought, Ugh, I can't believe Hannibal got that. You, you know what I mean? Um but now there are guys that if they're just total jerks, and I'm like, oh, why's that guy got that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it is? is, And it's funny. I was lecturing my son on this. Uh, we went bowling a week or two ago, and he got really angry because uh, he won. He beat his older sister the first game, and she beat him the second game. And he was very angry when she'd get a strike or a spare. He'd, he'd get upset. And I'm like, you don't do that. You are ha- when you bowl or you golf, you want the person to bowl a three hundred. You would obviously hope you do it as well. But if they bowl a perfect game, you're happy. For- if they hit a hole in one, you're ha- unless you you have money on it. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> but otherwise, you root for you know it's not it- it's competitive, but you root for your opponent at the same time. Yeah, when it's a group of buddies, sure. Why right, not, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm not not at the PGA, but. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, it does kind of come down to, for me, if I know them and they're cool, I got no problem with it. Or uh, or you can just tip your cap and say, well, that guy deserved it. He's, you know, he's good at what he does, right? So um, I missed out on SNL in, let's say, 2006, something like that I missed. Um, but the person, they were looking, so they cast by uh, Wook, okay? Mm-hmm. So... And the tall white guy, or the short white girl, or the, the black guy, you know, whatever it may be. So sure. they're looking for a tall, slim white guy, um, and they took Bill Hader instead mm. of me. Now, I have no, I, I have never had one ounce of, of thought of that sucks. I was way better than Bill Hader because I think he's supremely talented. So the fact that he elevated past me to get that job, I've never thought twice about it as far as jealousy or anything like that. Yeah, no, and that's that's not a bad guy to lose out to either. By right. the way, he's uh he he cracks me up. The other thing, I I don't know if you if you'd agree with this or not. It's interesting, and a lot of our talk so far has kind of been inside comedy, but I enjoy. I, I obviously, I guess, in my position where I am in life, I like to talk about it. But I think a lot of times there are very few comedians that are undeniable where. No matter how much of an asshole they are, they're still going to get get what they want. Um, I think there are very like a handful, maybe like you know Seinfeld and and uh, Chappelle and a few others. Um, otherwise, they could just if you're a dick, they can just 
stop giving you deals. There's a lot of funny people that can go up there and make Netflix money to do a special or Amazon money to do a special. They don't need you if you're just a, a dick to everyone. So I think maybe <laughs> there's some policing just in the industry itself. There's a lot of funny out there. And there are very few people that it's like, yeah, we can't replace him. There are very few people that I would say are in that category. Sure. And that goes all the way down to even the comedy club level. You know, mm-hmm. there there's no shortage of talented comedians who will be polite when they're at the club. Okay? <laughs> so if you show up and you're funny and you think you can go around being a jerk to everybody, um, that's going to be the last time you're there. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I had... Um, I'm looking way back. If you notice, all the stuff that bad that happened was like 15 plus <laughs> yeah. years ago. But that's um, a good thing. <laughs> like 2007, something like that. And um, uh, I got hired to open for this guy. It was a run where I was in one city one night, and then we were at a comedy club the next couple nights. And I have my guitar with me, and the headliner is like, "Oh, you play guitar." And I was like, yeah. And he's like, uh, I, uh, I, I don't know if I'm good with it. And I was like, well, why don't we just try it tonight, see how it goes. And he's like, okay, cool. Because I played like two songs on my guitar, and I think he does maybe two songs. So it wasn't, mm. wasn't like we were both guys that just do guitar the entire time or something. But uh, so I do it, and I, I smoke him. I wasn't trying to bury him, but I kill it, and then he dies, right? So next night... Uh, I show up at the comedy club, you know, two hours away at the next city, and the owner goes, hey, did anybody talk to you about your guitar? And I was like, no. And he says, well, uh, I'll just say Rob, because I don't, honestly I don't even remember the guy's name. Maybe it was Rob. <laughs> but he's, he's like, Rob is refusing to perform if you have your guitar. Oh, jeez. And so I was like, okay, uh, I, you know, I can do fine without it. So conti- I still am smoking the guy, and again, I'm not trying to. I'm just doing what I do. Uh, so then, cut to, it was like that Saturday morning, dude flips out in the hotel lobby because the crowds weren't liking him and he wasn't really selling out like he thought he would. And uh, I guess the hotel front desk calls uh, the owner. So the hotel, the club is in the hotel lot uh, itself, I guess, right? So the, the front desk calls the owner of the club and goes, hey, your comedian is flipping out in the lobby. You need to come get him. And he goes, which comedian? The tall one or the short one? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, the short one. And he's like, okay. So he comes and gets him. As he was mad, he's like, well, I don't know why nobody comes to see my show. And the ones that do think the opening act is better than me. And that's not the case. I opened for Ray Romano. And I opened for Jerry Seinfeld. And I, you know, and so, <laughs> just absolutely loses it and then so at the end of the night uh, <laughs> the, the owner's paying me and it was one of the clubs I don't know if you've seen them but some clubs pass out comment cards and they ask you to rate how good the feature act was and how good the headliner was and he showed me all these cards and he's like look at all these guys headliner seemed like a jerk not funny feature <laughs> was way better and it's just like that over and over and over and uh, so eventually he's like hey uh Next time he's due to come back, we just won't have him back, and we'll have him be the headliner. (laughs) So, but if that guy could have just pulled back the ego and just chilled, you know, he would have he would have been just fine. 
But, you know, instead, guys, you know, they get the ego, they can't be polite, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they've lost a weekend of work. Yeah. Well, and he, he probably was worse because he was... <laughs> Because he was stressed out. I feel like, um, this is an interesting side note too, is comedy, I feel like comedy that I used to watch as a kid, so older comedy, uh, prior Cosby, stuff like that, Rodney Dangerfield, good example too, Ever, they had a persona on stage. They were playing a character. Obviously, Cosby was not who he was on stage. We've come to find out the, in a bad way. <laughs> but, but they were playing a persona. And now there are some comics that still do that, but I think it's almost shifted to now they want like you to be your authentic self on stage and tell real stories. And and I, it, it, I don't know if... if uh, I feel like that's somewhat of a recent switch where you stopped... You still have a persona, but it's more based on you as opposed to, uh, you know, what just all out <laughs> character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the only sort of recent guy that is has been prominent and has a character would be Larry the Cable Guy. Mm. Um, and he was sort of a different approach. He always performed as Dan Whitney. I opened for him many years ago before he did, you know. Larry the Cable Guy was just like a two-minute character he did in the show. And for him, it just kept getting funnier and funnier. And then, of course, he, he just made it the whole show at that point. But, um, yeah, I think you're right now. It's just essentially just an extension of your persona for the most part. Yeah, which which is helpful, I think, to someone like me who, at an older age, the one, the one thing I say uh, is the good thing is I, I've worked at an office job, a corporate job for 11 years, uh, and I've, I've played the game well. So I think most comedians who have had office jobs were shitty employees. I've been a great employee. Get promoted, promoted. I was a manager. I don't think many comics have that perspective on things, so I'm hoping to... I need to bring some more of that in instead of uh, talking about my forks and stuff like that. Because, I mean, that's more typical lazy comedian, or not lazy, but unmotivated comedian. Um, whereas I really, I played the game. I, you know, I, I, I could have uh, taken bigger jobs in other cities and I turned it down. And it's like, I did well in that. I just hate it. So. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's another thing is, as comedians, you got to... You gotta have the day job foundation until you you can expand it. You know, make enough money to do it for a living. So, and a lot of guys forget that. You know, when I was coming up, my tip to new people too is uh, be the guy who's willing to work on the holiday or when they make a last minute schedule shift. Be the guy willing to take it and that sort of stuff. Because there's gonna be days when you get a last minute call for a, for a show and you're gonna need a favor from somebody else. So mm-hmm. to be the guy that everybody else sees is always willing to work. It's gonna pay huge dividends down the road. Nice. I, you know, what's funny is I thought we would spend most of the time talking about something else, which I want to get to. Uh, okay. But this, but this is how much I, I I've become just obsessed with comedy, and I love uh, you know I love having talking to comedians because we can just dive way probably way too deep for my listener to really appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you've got a book coming out. In next uh, May fourth, is that right? Yep. Yep. And I think I'm going to enjoy it. But uh, so you want just the backstory? I guess I'll let you tell it. But uh, you were elected mayor of your hometown after you decided to run as a joke. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Um, so 
uh, I guess the, the backstory is uh, as I travel the whole country, I'd see all these amazing towns everywhere. I'd be like, why is why is my town look like a dumpster fire when, <laughs> when all these other towns are fantastic? And so everybody's like, well, why don't you run for Alderman Webb? So I did, uh, and I win. And then from there, I never had any intentions of doing anything else besides just being on the town board and showing up once a month to vote on stuff. But uh, I quick, quickly drew a lot of attention for being someone who uh, asked the right questions and was suddenly a big contender for the mayor's seat. Because I ask things like, how much does that cost? <laughs> uh, is there a second option? <laughs> and, uh, seems basic to most people, seems basic to me, but for everybody else, they're like, wow, we got somebody shaking things up down at City <laughs> Hall. <laughs> so all these people kept pushing me to run. I didn't want to. Uh, so to appease them, I just basically made a joke out of it. Uh, because I was like, well, everyone will just think it's stupid and not vote for me. But they did anyway. That was uh, 80% of the town voted for me. Um, and so then, uh, as it all wrapped up, all these people were telling me, you have all these hilarious stories of things you argued about in the boardroom and things people complained about in your town and what you had to do to deal with you know, problem employees and everything else. There's so many hilarious stories. You should put a book together. And I was like, uh, it's going to take me forever to write a book. How will I ever find the time? And then the pandemic <laughs> happened, and I lost like eight weeks of shows right off the bat. And then so uh, the book was written, and then, well, you can see it. Nobody else can. Behind me there. It's oh, called yeah. you, you Can't Write City Hall. And uh, I got a publisher, and uh, already the four largest book retailers in the U.S. have signed on to sell it. Beautiful. Uh, at least in their online database. I don't know about in the stores. but uh, So Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Amazon, and Walmart all have that available. Um, and then I have a website about it if you want to check it out. You can't write cityhall.com. Yeah, I, I think I will enjoy it. Uh, as a, a, I'm a libertarian, which is nice because nobody gets angry at libertarians because they're not either... They're not on either team. And I'm like, uh, obviously, if you know much about libertarianism, I don't think the government is very efficient. So I have a feeling a lot of those stories will be very, uh, maybe enraging, but also uh, very humorous to me because it's like, yeah, that's that's how I thought it worked. <laughs> you know, I have not thought about that. I think I myself, I kind of linger between conservative and libertarian. I have not thought about marketing it to the libertarian crowd because just the humor of the inefficiency of, of government. Uh, you know, a lot of people say it's kind of, it reminds them of sort of like a stand-up comedy mixed with uh, parks and recreation. That's kind of what I envisioned, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, I, I think there'd be a market there with libertarians because it's, and by the way, I think a lot of comedians, I think a lot of it, especially because the way they figure out the tax system and everything. I think a lot of comedians have a bit of a libertarian streak in them because I, I'm assuming it's because of that reason. And also they just leave people alone, you know, don't, don't hurt other people. Just that's kind of what comedy is, is just, we can be freaks. Don't judge us. Yeah. I'll do my thing. You do yours and we'll leave each other alone. Right. And that's, that's the, <laughs> like the, the nuts and bolts of, of the whole uh, thing. I, I, uh, so yeah, no, I think there'd be a uh, you 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 could probably get some libertarian uh, buyers uh, of the book. I would think. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check into that for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm my audience is probably like fifteen percent libertarian, so we'll maybe I'll get some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I look I look forward to that. Uh, when and you didn't run for re-election, but it sounds like you would have won if you did. Is that your understanding? Your thoughts? Hmm. Well, that's tough to know um, because I don't know. Uh, who would have run against me? Mm. Um, you know, kind of getting to the the end of the book as to what goes on. Oh, but basically, <laughs> there's uh, you know, there's one person on the board who who really wanted it, and then uh, had an employee who who was going to retire who really wanted it. Um, but I don't think either planned to run until. I decided that I was I was walking away. So mm. I it's very possible I would have just been unopposed. Who knows? Because a lot of people I don't know uh, a lot of, if you're familiar, but generally small towns. Once you're the mayor, you're the mayor for like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I you know when I got elected, I had just gotten actually I got elected uh, on a Tuesday. Five days later, I got married. Oh wow! <laughs> so I I didn't have any kids at the time, so I you know barely had had been married when I was sworn in, and then uh, uh, as four years goes by, everybody's like, well, you know, I had one kid. Then at that point, after four years, everybody's like, well, uh, how many more kids are you gonna have while you're still the mayor? Because you probably got about twenty years to go. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know this was a lifetime commitment. <laughs> I mean, I was just trying to carry the torch a little bit uh, to help things out, but. That's uh, not nearly to the extent of you, but that's I, I did that. I talked about that on my last podcast episode. I uh, basically uh, I re- was the chair of the Libertarian Party for Pinellas County, which is a relatively big county. Um, and I was the chairman because it was like, if I didn't take the responsibility, this thing might just cease to exist. So someone needs to keep the mantle. I did was able to suffer for one year and pass it on to, to, to a friend who, who should hate me for it. <laughs> but, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> you say, you said, uh, if, if you don't take the responsibility, this thing will cease to exist. That's how I feel about being the father of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and how you'd pro- you people should feel about uh, their pets as well. <laughs> That's uh, I I look forward to that, and uh, uh, don't let me forget. I'll email you some names of some uh, libertarian people because I I know some inside people that might might uh, <laughs> might want to might want to interview you or uh, promote the book or at least read it. <laughs> That'd be great, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I know we are, uh, I think we're at the time uh, at this point. Um, I feel like we could have had like a whole podcast about comedy and a whole podcast about baseball, which we just barely touched on at all. But Yeah. yeah. But uh, maybe in the future. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I could, I could talk uh, hours about either one. Um, just don't ask me to talk about my kids. I don't know their names. So. <laughs> <laughs> you only remember the things that are important, like who played third base on the 1999 Devil Rays. You don't worry about names go. of children. <laughs> Wade Boggs, by the way. <laughs> oh, I would have guessed a really young Evan Longoria, maybe. No, no, I was there when he came up in 2008. I'll tell you, and someone's going to, I probably will get in trouble for saying this. Right before he came up, 
he he wasn't he out of spring training. They sent him down to the minors so they could keep his contract cheap another year. So he had to wait yeah. two weeks. But before the season to placate him, they signed him to like a, a seven year contract. So he was making good money, and yeah. he went from being a very nice guy. Like I was, I would go to him as one of the regular people. I had to put together the game program, so I'd go to him to get quotes and stuff for it. And uh, the day he signed his contract, he became an asshole. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> he 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 came back, but for 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 a while, it's like oh man, money changed him real fast. <laughs> wow, yeah, big head. Huh? Yeah. Well, I sure hope money doesn't change me if I can sell out this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? When you when you become the New York Times bestseller, we'll have you back on, and we'll see. It, you you probably won't respond to my emails at that point. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I'd be like. Sorry, Jeff. Too busy. <laughs> hey, it's much more courteous than not responding. <laughs> well, Scott, th- thanks again for coming on. I re- Scott, why did I call you Scott? I don't know, but yeah. I, so I thanks, don't even man. know any and, Scots. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so the two big things I hope people take away. One is uh, the book, again, You Can't Write City, you can't write city Hall.com, and then... Um, even if you're not a reader, uh, you know, the special's out there, too, on Amazon Prime or Christian you, Cinema. It is called Who's With Me? And you've got a podcast, too, don't you? Yeah, it's a pro wrestling podcast. If anyone, uh, if anyone's a pro wrestling fan, um, it's called Dynamite Drop-In. We review AEW Dynamite. So if you don't know what that is, it probably <laughs> would not appeal to you. Uh, but if you watch AEW Dynamite, it's uh, me and another comedian friend of mine who also has a dry bar comedy special, and uh, we talk... Uh, we talk pro wrestling. Dynamite drop in. Excellent. Well, if you if you know what he said, I don't. Check out his podcast. Uh, <laughs> May fourth is the book. Can you pre order that now? Yes, yeah, available for uh, pre sale right now. All right, I'll do it, and then it'll be a nice, pleasant surprise when a package shows up, and I say, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's going to happen for a lot of people. I'm, I'm getting a lot of notes about a lot of pre orders, and I'm like, I, if I pre-ordered that soon, I'd probably forget what it was. But heck, it's only like four weeks away now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I drank a lot, so four weeks, that's like a, an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, thank you again. I really appreciate it. I look forward to the book, and uh, thanks again for uh, putting up with me for so long. <laughs> oh, no problem, Jeff. Thanks for having me, man. Well, that was it. That was the whole podcast. If you made it to this point, congratulations. Next time you see me, you get a coupon for a free hug. If you want one. (laughs) Side note, I love uh, watching my doorbell camera when I'm hanging out with friends late night and I maybe don't remember getting home. Uh, And occasionally, usually it's just me walking to the door from an Uber, but occasionally it's the friend drove me home, and I give him a hug and tell him I love him. I love that. Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a very uh, nice uh, person. Well, uh, when I'm intoxicated. <laughs> but speaking of nice people, Jeremy was beyond nice. For you know, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna bullshit you here. I don't have uh, you know a hundred thousand listeners. So for someone who is at the stage he is in to be willing to give me time 
And then to be quite honest, after I turned off the recorder, we talked for probably almost as about another 30 minutes. What time? Yeah, probably another 30 minutes we talked. Um, very awesome guy. Very funny comedian. You got to check his stuff out. And I truly do mean it. I, if I ever succeeded in comedy, I don't think I would be able to 100% be clean. Uh, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> uh, and, uh, he, he, you know, pulls it off, but he, he kind of, uh, embodies what I'm talking about with comedy being such a supportive industry, at least the, the talent, obviously the business people might be another story, but you know, luckily I'm not famous, so I don't have to deal with them, <laughs> but comedians themselves are just very, uh, in general, and all of the ones I've encountered uh, are very much like Jeremy, where they don't care if you're a nobody, you know, they just, you're one, you're one of us, so I'll, I'll, I'll do you a favor, uh, which is frankly what coming on this podcast is. Hopefully, it sells them some books. It sold them at least one. <laughs> I'll buy his book, um, and maybe some libertarians will too. I think there's a I think it's an interesting crossroads between libertarians and uh, comedy, to be honest. But we'll, you know, let that lie for now. But anyways, I would love to hear from you. I always want to hear from you, your thoughts on episodes. Um, Give me feedback. I was thinking, but I don't know how to make a poll on Facebook. I was going to, not quite yet, but soon... I was going to do a poll to determine, like, of all my guests, who do you want back on most? Obviously, not right away, but in the future. And I'll probably wait, you know, probably good to wait, like, three months on that. But I'd love people who do listen, especially this far, uh, to shoot me a text. Uh, and if you don't have my number, shoot me a tweet or, like, a private message or uh, go on my Facebook, the Jeff Macalino podcast Facebook page, and comment who your favorite guest was. Uh, because I'd be interested in seeing what, uh, you know, I've had mostly comedians. I've had filmmakers, authors. Uh, a lot of those cross, uh, <laughs> do multiple of those things. Um, but I've also had a, a Hayoka empath. <laughs> uh, I had... Uh, Stephen Howley Martin, which I don't know that he can be classified, and it's hard to paint him into a corner, and he's definitely going to come back, because I did buy three of his books, by the way, and uh, one fiction, two nonfiction, so I'm going to read those, and in a few months, uh, after I've hopefully comprehended the material, I will definitely be asking him uh, to come back on, and he's a super... Uh, super nice guy. We've already emailed about, you know, staying in touch and stuff. Uh, and again, I'd say that about all of my guests. Uh, every one of them has had some sort of communication with me afterwards, and they are all nice people. <laughs> so that's good. I have not yet run into a dick. One of these days, I'll have a dick. And then, <laughs> whoa, that would be a bad sound bite. Johnny, edit that out. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Peace.